0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the NACUM show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Harry, the producer behind the dials today, and Jay bell in the hot seat. It is the dream team, people, and a cracking catch-up with the big man. Lots of your questions we're firing at the end as well via the mailbag at the NC Show, incidentally, if you you want to get in touch with the show, that's how you do it, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As we've been saying uh, for the last few weeks, we're going to try and roll out as many bonus pods as we can, so we're rolling two a week at the moment, a couple more coming your way next week, including Marek Law, the comedian, is going to be in the house, another special guest as well, so we'll roll uh, those out later on, but we'll get straight down to business. Terrific chat with the fantastic J-Bell. So, Jay bell the last time, my friend, I saw you was was right after the Super Bowl. Actually, right after the game. You finished your broadcast. I finished mine. We saw each other. O.C., Mike, everybody was there high off the the buzz of the Super Bowl. And here we are, what, six weeks later, whatever it is. And the world has changed,
1: my friend. The world man, we could not have ever predicted this, man. This is uh... – this is different times. I mean, uh, the one thing we all are doing is reevaluating our lives. So we're all doing it at the same time. Yep. So hopefully we come out of this a better world.
0: Do you think, and it's a really good point straight off the bat. I love the way you're going, you're deep diving into the, into the philosophy straight off the bat. I wouldn't expect anything else from you, Jay Buster. <laughs> is that one of the big positives from all of this that we are going to come out of this? With obviously a you know a significant cost of human life and uh, most importantly the economic impact that is be is going to affect a lot of people and their livelihoods and their and their well being uh, for uh, for a prolonged period. All that negative stuff aside, one of the positives is it has put the brakes on for so many people that it is forcing people to take stock of, of what's important. And in in a world that we live in, which is at a breakneck pace, and it's so easy to get caught up in that slipstream that actually. This is going to be one of the few positives from, from coronavirus that we will, will come out to the most part as better people for it.
1: Yeah, you know, a crisis always leads to an opportunity. And I think that, you know, the narrative across our planet was people turning to nationalistic ideas, you know, uh, forgetting that we were all humans, right? It's kind of like when you watch those shows, the only time you see the human race come together is when there's an alien attacking, right? All of a sudden there's an alien coming down and all of a sudden we're talking to everybody. We're all friends again. We're and, <laughs> and, and this is, this is that situation where, you know, I I've always looked at myself and I've always tried to understand people from different walks of life. And I got, I probably learned that skill in football more than anything. Mm. And so I've always appreciated different backgrounds different perspectives i'm open and it just shocked me uh where the world was going before this pandemic Mm. i mean people stopped listening to each other Mm. you know uh and i just was so fearful especially with young a young child i was like man this 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 isn't good yeah and the only the thing that's coming out of this is that we all need each other, and we do. Who? who what are we fooling? We're a team, right? We we love talking sports, and there's a reason because uh, teams matter. Teams are why organizations, businesses, people have success because they have good teams. And we are, as a human race, are a team, and we need each other. And we just realize how much we do. You know, communication is the key, and you see a lack of that with a lot
0: of leaders. And communication, I guess, on a, on a practical level as well is is adapting and every. In our industry, we've had to adapt radically. I mean, so many different industries have, of course, with the, with the enforced lockdown, but uh, broadcasting quite acutely, you know, and we're going to see this with the draft, right? We're coming up, which is not just the very different visual spectacle that it will be. But also how it's going to be covered, right? From a, from a broadcasting perspective, it's going to be, it's going to be wildly different. And I'm disappointed in a way, J-Bell, because I know you were personally looking forward to Vegas. I mean, oh,
1: <laughs> you were telling Nat, me stories. You're, you're my friend, so you know me. So you know me. <laughs> of course I was ready for Vegas. Man, it was like going home. A stuff I did in Vegas so no, I, I can coming. never repeat on a, I never repeat on a podcast or on television. On a family a show. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, never. <laughs> that was a long time ago.
0: Well, hey, it, is, it is a shame we're not going to be able to do it this time around, but I'm sure they'll they'll reboot Vegas down the line. And that's something, we, you know, we could look forward to. But from a, just from a broadcasting, a journalistic point of view, the draft is going to be a very different proposition, isn't it? You know,
1: we're, it, it gives people an opportunity that are skillful and understand the draft. They get to now jump into this media landscape, right? They're not restricted by the big networks kind of dominating it. say if you're a guy that knows ball, knows, uh, knows these, follows the college game, uh, and understands the needs of the team, you're gonna have a voice. So that's really cool. Uh we're gonna see mm. some people uh come to the forefront we've probably never heard of, mm. uh hopefully I would I would like to see that. But on a team, from a team perspective, I'm really I I think we're gonna study this draft a long time, Nat, and I'll tell you why. I think that teams that have a scouting department that is truly about player evaluation, like understanding. I mean, I hate to talk about the Patriots, but we're going to have to. And it's because that part department, the scouting department is entrenched in everything the coaches are trying to do. Belichick yeah. has built a machine. We're looking for X, Y, and Z. Find it because we need to fill these roles for what we do. So they have this treadmill that's running smoothly and they can evaluate talent. Other teams are data collectors, right? They're getting in all the data. This guy does this, this guy does that, you know, talent kind of accumulators. And I think it's going to be hard with, with the restrictions of movement and stuff. You're going to have to be a team that really can watch tape. Mm. I mean, really can see these guys on the field and, we're going to be able to see after this draft what te- team did well and how they evaluate talent. And I'm, yeah. I'm really fascinated by that. We won't see this kind of come to fruition until after the season or maybe years after, but
0: yeah, uh, this is an interesting cause we've never seen it before. It's such a good point that, you know, it will take uh, you know a while, I guess in terms of revisionism to look back and, and see how successful they were. But I want to drill down a bit more on that cause you make some really, really fascinating points. So firstly, The Patriots, right? So you're right. They have this, particularly, you know, with this, this dynasty that has been created. So for 20 odd years, they have this quite clear construct where, and it's not just rookies, right? It's not just in the draft. You can look at journeyman pros that they've brought in undrafted free agents that have bounced around practice squads, get wheeled in and make a name for themselves or at least succeed at a higher level at the Patriots. Is it clearly Belichick has such a fundamental blueprint and ensures that everybody understands that and their role. But that is the MO of any team, right? Any any head coach, any offensive defensive coordinator is attempting to do the same thing. So what is it about Belichick that makes it so effective? How is it purely down to his ability to communicate that and and what he wants and ensuring that his coaching staff are able to, to... all share the same vision and communicate that as well? Is it down to the fact that he can pick a player that no one else would because he can see things in that player that no one else can see in relation to what he's trying to do? What is it about the Patriots, J-Bell, that take something that we all talk about and all understand conceptually and think, well, everybody should do that, right? But they can't do it. So why do they manage to?
1: I think you said the first thing you said is key is communicator. And his ability to communicate. I, I was reading a book recently and it talked about how Belichick's, you know, his his both his parents were teachers. Now yeah. we know his 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 father is an unbelievable scout. Uh that's where he learned his that's where he honed his ability to really watch, tape, and understand players. But his mom was a great teacher. So it's his ability, he has two things. He's a great communicator. I I don't think everybody in that organization understands what they're supposed to do. He's clear. He's concise. They get it. Then they can go out and work. People want to work. People want to achieve, but it's where, what is my direction? <laughs> and I hate to uh, go to, you know, turn left here, but that's the problem with a couple of countries, right? It's right. like, what is, what am I supposed to do? I want What's do the game plan? Yeah. I <laughs> want it. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> but you know, this is his skill set, right? It's like, I want you to do this. It's clear and concise. That being said, He can deliver that message because of his ability to really understand the game by the grunt work. And the grunt work is film, understanding the game, studying. And when you know the agenda, you know the material, you got it down better than anybody. And you can clearly describe that. Mm you that's how your organization is always tied in and because he is a scout by at heart i mean he's a guy who wants to evaluate players and chop up tape it's very easy for him to have that flow downhill and the whole organization understand that so when they have to move fast everybody understands what the need is and how to find it and i think your, what you were saying before is you would think other teams have that, but they don't. Other teams are not always about uh, really evaluating player and player talent. It's like, it's kind of laziness. And OC always says this, um, and he's right. He's like, there's so much laziness in coaching and in the league. And it comes. this is my scheme. This is my, why can't they do this? This guy's a bum. He sucks. He this. Because you know what? That's lazy. That's easy. Of course you can say that. It's not your fault. Instead, Belichick is like, don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do. And we will make it so to when this player is on the field, we're doing what he can do. And I just think that's their strength. And people talk about it and they want to do it. But if that's not your culture and philosophy, it's too hard to turn that on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's shifting towards that. And I, I like what Baltimore has done, um, you know, especially with Lamar Jackson and how they've just – changed and evolved as an offense. And, and that's kind of what their belief see, system was when they realized they got this kid that's just different than anybody. So uh, let's build it around his strengths. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to see people in this draft. Um, they're really going to have to know what the talent is. So when they get them on the field with less time, remember, that they're going to have to do what these kids do well. DK Metcalf, perfect example. He had a great year. Why do he have a great year? For the uh Seattle seahawks because they did everything he's good at they didn't right. do in he ran every route he was great at in college mm. that's it mm. and that's what they use him for and guess what had a great rookie year
0: and it worked it's a, I mean, it's a great it's so many good points you make jay bell the on the the patronage and, and looking at steve belichick his his dad bill belichick's dad there's a great the halberston book is great about that and, and looks at both of them and and one of the things that is really apparent there is from a young age, Bill Belichick was watching film, was watching film from a young age and has never stopped that. And you read uh, interviews, you hear interviews with people that have worked with him, other coaches, players, assistants, anybody in the organization, they say that is the one thing he does more than anything else. He study tape, study film. He knows what he's doing. The, Interesting thing, I guess, outside of the draft and and, and the points you make about that and and front office and evaluation, the off-season is inevitably going to be wildly different to anything we've seen before. I mean, let's assume that that September, the season starts on time, right? Uh, Okay, all right. But the season to start on time, when do we have to see organized practice, organized training in person i'm not talking about this virtual using zoom and going through playbooks and everything else which is going to have to happen over the next couple of months right but mm-hmm. when can teams realistically <clears throat> report to some kind of training for the season to start on time do you think
1: i think we got to look at this like old school football man like i mean i don't even know
0: what date maybe the 80s you know and,
1: and before where it was all about like you literally showed up the training camp you had one mini camp and it was training camp and that's why if anybody wants to know the history of football and realize why our collective bargaining agreement has changed toward the work hours, it's because back in the day you came to training camp to get in shape. You had a full-time job, you know, before that. So, so I think it's going to have to come down to, they need training. So, you know, late July, late July come in and training camp is how we get ready for the season. I think the way, and you will see, you will see the teams that have players that, have off-season preparation, motivation, uh meaning guys that just keep themselves in shape. You know, uh, a lot of vets that know how to take care of themselves because they're not going to be around the facility.
0: Yeah, that's a huge point, isn't it? Because and, and again, it's the the perception we have that every player is a multimillionaire and has got you know a home gym, uh, you know the size of a, of a kind of typical public gym at home. Right. But that isn't the case. There's a lot of players on the fringes at the kind of lower end of the pay scale. Uh, and again, those ones we mentioned earlier that are maybe for the last couple of years have bounced around what bigger rosters and get cut. And, you know, even coming close to home, you look at the story of someone like F.A., uh, who you know, for a number of years, as he was learning his trade, was that kind of player, you know, before he landed the, the, the starting jobs and the contracts and everything else. He was kind of bouncing around the fringes of the NFL. There are hundreds and hundreds of players like that. So, what are they going to do? I mean, it's going to—it's going to really, I guess, protect the most successful, uh, providing yeah. their attitudes there. And 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 yeah. affect again, much like bringing us back to society, right? It's going to affect those um, at, at, at the lower end of things, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard for young guys to make the team this year. A guy like me yeah. probably wouldn't have made it in the NFL in this climate. I needed the pro days because I was hurt during the combine. Yeah. I needed every mini camp, every practice. I literally made the team because of the off-season workouts. The Dallas Cowboys, I went back to UCLA to graduate. And they the the Pac-12 has a rule where if you are um you get to go back to school, everybody has to go back for guys like, you know, that that are right there on the cusp of graduate. Mm. Um so I went back, came back and they were going to cut me when I came back and and I they told me, I think uh, the end of that year, the reason they kept me is because in the workouts, I was beating people in the sprints. And they thought, man, this guy's been gone for X amount of time. And if he comes back and runs like this, this guy's a self motivator Right. So that's literally how I got in the league. Yeah. And I think guys like me might not have that opportunity this year. But, you know, it's just it's just what it is. I feel sorry. I mean, OC is same, same thing. He didn't get he didn't get the wave on him until his workout, his personal workout at the school. So those, those kind of things are going to happen. You're going to miss out on talent. Yeah. But that, that being said, the players that are in the league, what they're going to have to do is, you know, everybody, because they got their own trainers and because of technology, you get your workouts sent to you. You have a field, you go do your workouts, but the league, and I'm fascinated if it, the longer this takes is going to be made up with a bunch of people that Know how to prepare, mm. you know you will miss out on young people on the fringe, but the guys that play the guys that are on the field are going to be proven players, proven commodities mm. because as a young person, the first thing, the hardest thing to do is, man, how do I prepare? How do I work? It usually takes you six months to figure that out sure, you sure. don't have that luxury
0: right the vets unless around you're you. a draft
1: pick.
0: Yeah. Well, okay so unless- Fast forward that. So you were talking about you from a rookie perspective and, and fast forward that a couple of years and you're established in the league and you're going through this. So how does that change? So you, you know, you've got your, you know, with your, if your head screwed on, which in, you know, your case it was, you know, you got to look after yourself and take care of that side of it. But equally you, let's say you have moved to a new team during all of this, right? You kind of, you, you sign up for a new team. So you are going through what is going to be a prolonged off season without any practice uh, of any kind in the flesh. So you're doing everything virtually. You're learning the playbooks virtually. You're learning, you're building a rapport with your teammates, with your coach, your positional coach, all done through the way we're talking now, through Zoom, through through virtual set. From a player's point of view, j how much of a challenge do you think that's going to be? You know, I think if you are
1: a guy like I was, it, it, it'll work. Because mm. for me, training at home, I had my, I, I knew what I needed to do it was it was balancing that with what the team training needed to be that messed me up because i couldn't do all i wanted to do right. i had to do the team workouts right and that means i can't do as many workouts as i want to do so as from a workout perspective it would actually help me because now it's really tailored towards me i mean right. it's, as i'm working doing my own thing every single day which is great as an individual i think With now, everything these guys have is on their iPad. So Mm. as a self-motivator, as a self-starter, digging into that is, would be, is the key. And I almost think that even in the offseason, sometimes coaches are busy doing their thing. It's not a lot of time they have to bring you in and break down film with you, especially if you're not the guy guy. But I think now, if you had questions and you can do what, you know, we're doing now and, and I'm like, we're, I'm watching tape with a coach that right there, one-on-one, hey, the coach says, I'm going to give my DBs 30 minutes a day, you know, my guys, or whatever. I mean, I could get a lot done with that one-on-one, and I think the being forced to do that, especially the young guys, because they don't know the system, or or, or a guy new to the team, like you just said, that one-on-one attention is going to help some people. Mm. It really is. This is a different opportunity, and I think that Someone who understands themselves and asks the right questions could get a lot out of this because um, coaches have to think differently and have to, like I said, they can't talk to the team as a whole. They got to talk to you as individuals. So I think that they can help. It can help. I'm very interested in how this pans out. I mean, it's just hopefully it only happens once, right? Right. So the knowledge we get out of this is going to be amazing.
0: I think on the even on the, you know you, and you you I'm sure you'll have considered this given the fact you played corner but I guess receivers and quarterbacks that's maybe the most fascinating uh, element in terms of cohesion and, and simpatico, right and you look at and I automatically think of Brady given how much he demands and what he wants from his receivers but that's kind of offset with the fact he's going to be playing with the receivers he's going to be playing with in Tampa like I think yeah. he'll be okay yeah. or or you look at Rivers right in a new situation you think well. He is one of the, the greats of his generation. If there's anybody that's going to be able to adjust quickly to building up rapport with his receivers, uh, it's going to be someone like Rivers. So I guess it's the, certainly the rookie quarterbacks coming in, uh, into the league for, for, for all kinds of reasons, but particularly that, uh, and I'm just wondering any other quarterback situation, like again, like the, the, the Titans re-up Tannehill. So there's cohesion there, the Cowboys with Dak. So there are going to be very few situations, I guess, where, uh, a quarterback and needing to get on the same page with his receivers is going to be particularly affected. Um, let's talk about the draft and, and, and specifically the quarterback situation and the news coming out about Tua in the last couple of days, which is terrific to see, first things first. And I wonder whether you think it's going to impact where Tua goes in the draft. So for listeners that haven't seen it, Tua, of course, he had the big injury that knocked him out last season. And as a result, his, his draft stock fell and on all the mock draft boards ever since he's been, uh, he fell right down at one point, but he's been up, uh, around, hovering around the number five mark for, for the last couple of months anyway. But reports coming out now that he is back to normal, that the, 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 the language and the, the narrative around him, J-Bell, is that it's like he hasn't ever been out. Now, I know it's different based on uh, the fact that we <laughs> haven't seen him in a game, and that's a kind of fundamental or anything remotely resembling a game, obviously, for reasons we've just been talking about. But... The general consensus is two is fine. The injury hasn't affected him in the way that it, people thought it might. So do you think he might go higher than five? Do you think this, this buzz and this news about it means that his stock could rise back even more again?
1: Uh, there's a possibility. You know, I think you got to be careful where the narrative is coming from, right? It's his people mm. pushing it out there. Great sure. agents. That's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> sure. Uh, but you know, these teams, they want to, they want to, they want to, uh, Pull and, and poke you, you know. That's what they want to do. They want their doctors to look at you. This is a huge investment, right? Mm. Uh, th- regardless, he's going to be the number two quarterback. I think mm. Herbert has pushed himself up there out of uh, uh, Oregon and Jordan Love, obviously. Mm. Uh, those still guys like a lot of buzz, huh? Yeah, those guys will all go the first round, and I, I do not. I one thing about the draft is, and there's a lot of experts and a lot of information. Uh, I've been through a lot of them. They all surprise me. I'm always like, "Whoa, wow!" You
0: know. So <laughs> you sure.
1: I you know I I I look at the talent, and you usually know the needs and the teams that want quarterbacks, and that's it's easy to follow. But yeah, I mean, the one thing about it is, you know, he's had a lot of injuries, so it's just mm. where is he at? But the, the everybody needs everybody listening needs to understand. All that being said, it's so everybody it's so hard to get a quarterback everybody's chasing right so the risk reward and then gamble it just makes sense for teams they have to do it that's what the nfl is now so he's going to get drafted high regardless because of that because if he if he works out and he is healthy he should be a very very high level quarterback for the way he plays the game especially what the nfl is now uh, where you want a bunch of playmakers out there and a distributor. And we know that quarterbacks that are distributors, Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady has been one at times. Um, uh, they, they they do well. They have success and, uh, he's that kind of guy. Quick release, uh, uh, great kind of anticipation and he's left handed. Don't forget left handed right. quarterbacks. We don't see them all the time. We don't get to practice them all the time. So there is a small advantage there also.
0: So, I mean, I, I guess in a way that the way that the the top five picks have gone, you know, Giants don't need a quarterback, or they, they invested too much in in, in Daniel Jones, and it's too early in that uh, in that situation at the moment. The Skins, I guess, as well with Haskins, I guess there's more of a question mark there at the moment. Yeah, the yeah. season, but nevertheless, it's still a lot of money they've spent early doors on that one. The Lions, I guess, it, it's sitting at three uh, are interesting, given. West Stafford. They, be- they
1: better get that corner. They better get that corner out of Ohio State.
0: Oh, uh, Kuda, Yeah, yeah. They they
1: better get a corner. I mean, they want to play man to man, bump and run. They wanna- They want a guy that can go out there and play bump and run. I mean, that's what Patricia does. That yeah. is a need right there. That that's one of those that just pops out to me. Like, man, go get it. Go get that yeah. corner. You 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 lose Slay. I mean that—that's that, I mean, uh, a need right there.
0: Those two things have to be connected, right? The fact that Slay goes means that it tells you shows their hand, right? That that's surely where they're going to go.
1: Listen, who knows with trades and all that and, and gaining mm. value, things can happen. But when I just look at immediate need and something that you need, you need mm. a you need a guy that can come in and that's polished that corner. You know, some of these rookie corners have all the skills in the world, but they they're you know they're polished technique or their football iq isn't there yet it could be there in a half a season who knows but this guy seems to have a great understanding of the game and all
0: the skills is he does he strike <laughs> you and again to your point uh, a few minutes ago jebel it's so difficult to know even with supposed sure things until we're three four years into that career but does he strike you as a player that is going to follow a kind of Revis-level trajectory of being, you know, lights out, top. In the same way, if we were talking about a quarterback and saying, Andrew Luck, we just knew that he was going to be an elite-level quarterback from pretty much the beginning, does Akuda strike you as a corner that, if things go to plan, he is going to be one of those type of players?
1: Yes. Uh, Right now, it does. I just watch his game. He's very smooth. He has a great sense of awareness and I mean that in a way where even man and zone coverage he understands how he is supposed to play and that's just that's what you want because if you got a man-to-man guy and you need to put him and he's that's a skill but he needs to play his zone coverage and understand how that is to help the defense as a whole some guys it's hard to switch in and out of that I mean, Stefan Gilmore struggled when he first got to the Patriots because he needed to understand how they were trying to play their zone coverages. It wasn't because it's man-to-man. It was the way the zones were and how his role changed. And he mm-hmm. got a grasp of that. Actually, they molded around him more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had the year he had. But this guy coming in as a rookie, he's he's got a great football IQ at the corner position. And that's just an advantage. Now, if he goes out there and he's toasty-roasty, as I like to say, and he's just out there, you know, and, and the speed of the game is uh is getting him. I can't, I can't say anything about that now, but everything I've seen on tape, this kid can go out there and
0: do it. So if we follow that to plan, then, again, and you said as you rightly say, there's going to – almost certainly there are going to be twists in the tail and, and deals that get done and dealing and dealing. But if Tua does fall to the Dolphins at five, give it everything – that, that given his ceiling, right, and if it goes mm-hmm. to plan, that is going to be they have to take him, right? I mean, that's going to be one of the uh, if he if he is fit and he plays through his potential, that is going to be one of the steals of the last ten years in the draft, right? If a quarterback like that falls to five because people are are worried about his injury and because of what's happened with coronavirus. As you say, he can't he can't kick the tires and just check. So his people are spinning. He's I'm a hundred percent as sure as people say that, but. Too much of a gamble, or do you think should teams ahead uh, or below and deal up make that play and make that gamble because the upside is just so big?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because you know they got a lot of options. Man, Herbert has been making some waves, some splash. You know, yeah. so it's it's as you know you've been doing following the game a long time. I mean, teams just have different. Perspectives on these players. Like you just like, really? That, you know, okay. So yes, I do think he'd be a great fit in Miami. I think he'd be being in Florida, you know, coming out of Alabama. Great fan base, right? Everybody, the state of Alabama will be watching the Miami Dolphins. These are things you need to think about. You want to sell jerseys. You want to sell jerseys. So I, I do think it's a great move and I think they give him time. And the reason I say that is because that organization from the owner down has said, we got time. Mm. The things they made, they did last year, how they stripped that team down to get all these picks, all this cat room. Because guess what? Everybody knew they had time. And so everybody started to make the decisions based upon the future. That's what this team is built on. This team is built on, we're going to do this right. And you have time. People have job security. So when a coaching staff has job security, they are more accepting taking a guy and sitting him and resting him and getting him ready because you know what? They'll be there the next year.
0: It's a great point. The Raiders have that, of course, as well. And they're not set at quarterback position, but uh, – no, they're not. <laughs> uh, it's better well, they're only sitting 12, so they'd have to wheel and deal up, I think, to, to look at one of those two players – you mentioned the Dolphins. They've got a, 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 the biggest a number of draft picks, of course, the most draft picks. And they've also been quite prolific so far in free agency. I like what they've done, to be honest. I like the Jordan Howard pickup. I think Byron Jones as well. I think that makes sense. So the, the Dolphins for me, the Bills as well, I like the business that they've done. What about you, J-Bow? Who do you like, uh, based on the business done so far, who do you think has, has performed well in terms of free agency?
1: Well, first of all, I before I answer that, I did, uh, I watched Miami, right? Cause I'm pe- pe- keeping an eye on him. So I'm like, let me check out Byron Jones. This is yeah. crazy. Just that you mentioned that last night, I watched tape on Byron yeah. Jones. Okay. 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 Just yeah. out of the, I'm just in the lab. We did and prepare. it, I'm, <laughs> I'm just looking at, yeah, I'm just looking at his technique, just play after play footwork. And I'm like, man, this guy can play some bump and run coverage. Like you, I've heard everybody say it. I've watched the games, but I really got into his technique as a corner footwork. And I was like, he's so polished at bump and run, man to man coverage. And that fit exactly what they want to do. That's exactly how they want to play on defense with at least their top guy. Mm. I mean, this is what the Patriots do. I mean, this is, this is, you gotta have a guy like that. And not only is it the way he's going to play, but if you're trying to teach the rest of your team how to be technically sound, when your guy you just paid has that kind of technique, really, really helps. So that was fascinating when I when I dug into that. But I'm when glad I to hear. It, that
0: I'm glad as a Dolphins fan, as you know, I'm glad to hear it. he's got the j Bell seal of approval there. That is good. That is a big yeah.
1: St- I mean, people talk about his game and all that kind of stuff. Look, you get paid because you're the guy, right? You get paid because you're the guy. That's, that's up, you know, the, the money's there, but I do like his technique. He was very mm. polished and, and bump and run man to man. And that's what you brought him there for. I mean, that's the reason he's there. So, um, yeah, I like that. I also, you know, I really, when I look at it, I mean, listen, Carolina getting Teddy Bridgewater mm. is a
0: big move to me.
1: Really. Really big move, and I like I said, I, you're, I not like convinced, are you?
0: you're not convinced. No. Oh, you like are it. convinced, like or you like yeah, it? Ah, I thought there was like gonna it. be a big, big butt there. No,
1: okay. no, 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 and this is why I like it. So, you gotta obviously, we've talked about it. You know, I'm into finance, I love finance, so of course, I, I like know owner. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and everybody in Wall Street talks about this dude and his approach to business, mm. right? It's It's no question his intellect and how he looks at businesses. All right, cool. Let's see how this translates to the NFL. Mm -hmm. He gave, he let the, he didn't change anything when he first got the team. He just watched, right? Like a good manager, just figured it out. And then he put his imprint on it. And the one thing he understood, especially coming out of the steel and knowing what he knew from being a Steelers owner culture, right? And I can't wait to see where Cam Newton goes. I'm excited. Yeah. But Cam Newton was the culture of that team. So if you want to change the culture, you want to implement your own culture, you got to change some things. Right. If you know anything about Teddy Bridgewater, and I, when he was in Minnesota, obviously I had friends there, mm-hmm. everywhere he's been, they love him. Mm. People play for Teddy. This guy, commands respect in a way where you just man you just he's your guy Mm. this is just who he is you bring him in now and he can run that offense the way they want it ran but this is a culture change this is a shift this is we're putting our fingerprint on what we are going forward He's the best quarterback for that. Not only as a player, but as a person. I great, like that
0: move. Great insight. Cause I, I looked at it and, 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 I, and it's a really great point you make that he's such a fundamentally different type of demeanor and character to Cam. And that's not a knock on Cam. I like, I like Cam. No. And I like, I think he actually gets unfair criticism. We were chatting with, I think it was Ross Tucker was on the show last week and I read One Piece really slagging off Cam and talking about that now infamous post Super Bowl press conference he gave and i i get it like you've just lost the super bowl you know i mean he wasn't i didn't think his answers were particularly obtuse or or uh you know difficult i think he was frustrated and yeah maybe as the quarterback as the face of the team you should put on a brave face and maybe be a bit but i didn't have an issue with him at all for, for being like that so i i've always liked cam and i think he gets an unfair knock but at the same time i appreciate that uh, you know, that, as you say, Teddy's a very different kind of player. So, so just on that, on, based on guys that you know that know Teddy and, and, and the info on, intel on him, is he like a kind of Julio Jones, no frills, just gets on with it, no nonsense kind of player? Is that, is that the difference? Whereas with Cam, love him or hate him, there's a bit of a circus around him, isn't there?
1: Yeah, two, you know, two different kind of guys and, and they both have, Listen, you always you always want what you don't have, right? You always want a, a, a change in scenery. Right. And before I, this is not a Cam bashing thing because I, I love Cam Newton and I think I'm I want I, I think he's gonna ball this year wherever he goes. Where's you gonna he gonna go? Where's he gonna oh, go? Man, dude, if he went to if he went to New England, I would. Oh, lose my mind. oh boy, That's I <laughs> would lose <laughs> my my Belichick just getting him in there, saying, "Look, Cam, we're gonna do this. Follow me. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll like this." I mean, he's undefeated against the Patriots.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You
1: know, so anyway.
0: So that's a good point, check Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, oh, I would
1: love it. I would love it. If Cam just stay healthy. He's only 30, right? I mean, he's yeah, in his yeah. prime. Yeah. So, I mean, and 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 the league is built for for a guy like him. That being said, I, and before we get into why, what they say about Teddy, <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey, who I love as a player, love as yes. a demeanor. Uh, he, I was listening to him in an interview and he talked about how much cam made the game fun again for him. He was so appreciative that he, he's so serious, right? He's trying to be great. And and he was like, man, cam made me love it again. Like I was a kid. And he really, he talked about that so much. Like he, he, that really helped him. And we see the year he had, so remember, this is uh, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. This,
1: this guy Cam's good for a locker room too.
0: Hey, on on McCaffrey and, and what you were saying about Tepper, will Tepper pay McCaffrey?
1: <sighs> you gotta pay McCaffrey. You know, I I, I think that m- m- yeah, I think they're gonna have to end up drafting another running back though, like a Bruiser. Uh, you need somebody that can take the load because McCaffrey. Yeah. Listen, Crazy McCaffrey's of snaps. Yeah. yeah, McCaffrey go, put him in a slot. He's better than ninety percent of the receivers that play in the slot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. and dude, he's he's he 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 sells jerseys. He's good for your organization. There's a lot of things you need to think about when it's paying players, man. It's like, what do they do? Yes. They put people in these 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 seats. That's important. I mean, that's that's yeah, the yeah. game, you know. And and so yeah, I I I think he should. I think he should if he if he. Uh, you know, he's, he he's, he knows what the trainers are telling him and how McCaffrey's body is going and all that kind of stuff. And McCaffrey seems to take care of himself. So, yeah.
0: So, yeah, on, on, on Tepper, the, the reason I asked the question about McCaffrey was, is because they're going to have to pay him big, right? They might have to make <clears throat> him the best paid player in that position. And yeah. you make a point about the amount of wearing Terry's already had. Is there a chance that Tepper will look at this analytically in that respect and think, you know, much like we see bad deals done in Major League Baseball, where you know big sluggers get a payday and they are on the decline, kind of from there on in, or pretty much a, a season or two into it, and the deal over the long term doesn't make sense. Is there any way that Tepper might think? Oh, I'm not sure. He's an amazing player now. He's one of the best in the business now, but a long term deal with the big bucks doesn't necessarily make economic sense.
1: Well, you have to evaluate the player. That's the problem. Everybody's different. And I saw this with guys like Terrell Owens when we played. I mean, some guys just take care of their body differently. And, right. you know, Tom Brady, look at what he's done. I've, I've, you know, you, you have the information, especially when you drafted a guy and he's been in your organization for a long time. You know who takes care of himself, you yeah. know, so he's, that has to go into the equation. And obviously Tepper can input that better than anybody. And the market, you know, he's gonna, somebody's going to pay McCaffrey because he's great. So as long as he's on an upward trajectory where he's able to do what he does well, you know, he'll be fine. I do think as an organization and the Panthers have done this better than anybody. They've always drafted another running back high when they had a guy. Mm. I mean, uh, my buddy, Deshaun Foster got drafted there when when they had, uh, what's the name of the running back? I forget his name. He had come out of Washington, so uh, he was the main guy, but. You know, they've always had two guys, you know, so that that's what they do. So um, I think they do the same thing. Get a bruiser, uh, take the volume off of him, but you need McCaffrey. He's a, he, he is a playmaker. In, the, mm. in today's NFL, it's almost positionless when you talk about playmakers on offense. Get him the ball.
0: I am going to dive into the mailbag, J-Bell, because we've got – hey, they knew you were coming. When you were on the show, the mailbag is bursting at the scene. So we've got some – I'll answer
1: quickly to. then. I'll answer quickly. Speed,
0: <laughs> speed, darling. Okay, so this is from Dean Facini. Hey, Dean. He says, what do you – <laughs> I'm looking forward to your answer on this one. What do you make of Bill O'Brien's handling of the DeAndre Hopkins trade? Surely O'Brien has put himself under a huge amount of pressure already. He is getting J-Bell universally vilified for the deal uh, are you amongst the haters is there any way you could put a case forward that that they made the right move there the Texans?
1: it's very hard to be a head coach and a gm it's right. Uh, how much time do you have in the day right and i do think there's this level of 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 people know that and it has nothing to do with his personal intelligence it's like how many things can you, ask yourself, how many things can you handle in a day high level like that? So I do think there's a problem with that. He's trying to do what Belichick has done and it's, and, uh, Belichick has a different infrastructure and system like we talked about earlier. So I, I, I don't like there was other things going on with DeAndre Hopkins and why this happened, but yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of it. I'm just, I'm not a fan of it. But I'm sympathetic and empathetic that this guy is doing a lot. Maybe if he did one or the other, he's a great coach. Like we're mm. forgetting that he is a great coach, general manager. I'm not sure.
0: It is a tough. It's a tough gig, isn't it? it particularly, you mentioned that the, the Belichick uh, mindset that he 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 developed under and and, and and understand he wants to run things that way. Uh, here's one for Mark Jones at the NC show, incidentally, if you want to get in touch with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, a player we haven't mentioned yet, J-Bell. Can Jameis bounce back from 2019 and what's happened to him? Or will the mental scars be too much for a potential team to have to overcome? So I guess Mark's talking about the double whammy of being Shifted aside for, for, albeit for the greatest quarterback of all time, but also his wild season. He was compelling to watch, wasn't he? But his issues with turning the ball over are going to give teams the jitters, aren't there? Isn't it? In terms of whether he lands another starting gig straight away.
1: Right. It's going to be hard to land a starting job straight away, but can he recover as a, as a player without a doubt? this dude has no fear. That's a, that's what his skill set <laughs> sure, is. You know, sure. he's not scared to sling the ball around the yard. Um, so I'm not worried about him, but he has to hone it in. He has to be in a system that does that. Uh, mm. He'll be somewhere and hopefully he gets somewhere where uh, they work on him as a project. Cause this is not the last we've seen of James Winston, no chance at all.
0: So that'll go down uh, as individually. One of the, the most remarkable seasons, I think in the history of the game, you didn't know whether he was going to throw a touchdown or an interception on virtually every snap of, that he had. I mean, it really was getting to that stage of jeopardy. It was it was remarkable. A couple more for you before we get out of Dodge, J-Bell. So uh, here's a good one from John Ryan. Uh, thanks for this, John. Can you ask J-Bell what he thought of the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, and is it too long, uh, in brackets, 10 years? Players coming into the NFL are pretty much going to be bound to this for their careers. Uh, and also he says, no side clause for any possible London franchise. And he also adds the hashtag, where's Osi, which quite 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 a lot of our, of our listeners yeah. do. <laughs> let, let's look at the CBA in uh, you know, the kind of key points from it. I mean, I guess from a, uh, you know, from a rookie's point of view, one of the things that stood out for me was the flexibility now and the leverage that rookies have, if they are outplaying their rookie contracts, Um, before they get to the end of it. I mean, that was just so wildly unfair, wasn't it? Where you saw players at an absolutely elite level being paid, relatively speaking, peanuts for what they were delivering.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things that help the players on the low end of the roster. So that's Mm -hmm. cool. There's a lot of things that help retired players like myself, which is cool. So when you think about that, and the question is really good, right? I mean, these players coming in and the sacrifice they have to make, but when they're going to want the same players to make the sacrifice when they're retired. So it's this, that's when you need to think of the brotherhood of the NFL. And, but the 10 years is the one thing, I, I'm glad he mentioned this actually, very good question. Mm. That was the one thing I was hesitant about. I was like, man, that's a long time. Um, there's no option because, you know, when the uh, the the previous CBA before the last, when the NFL owners had the option, they opted out of that quick. I mean, mm. so it's, uh, I, I did not like the time but I am always aware of what I don't know. And my opinion is based on what I know. And I was not privy to a lot of the information they had when they made this decision. So I'm well aware of that. But I did have a problem with the length of time.
0: Mm, fair play. One more for you. Um, from maybe the best Twitter handle I've seen in a while, Abyssinia Later. You see what he did there? Ooh. Abyssinia Later. Uh- Ooh. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh by the
1: way, Osi's at home on his... uh on his exercise machines. This guy, this guy, when quarantine's going down, he literally ordered a home gym of exercise
0: machines.
1: <laughs> of course. And he, he did. Took, literally was like, How fast can you get it to me? He's got it all now.
0: Has he got a Peloton? Does OC have a Peloton?
1: He does not, but he has a Versa Climber and he has a treadmill. So he's, he's, he's go time. He's go time.
0: <laughs> I'm not surprised, man. I'm not surprised. No, he was not messing
1: around. Not Within at all.
0: seconds, bam, the Second. phone goes. Um, yes. Abyssinia later asks, uh, and I love this question. It's a good one to end on. A Buffalo overhyped by default? So the, the deals that Buffalo have done, digs obviously, most notably. And then, as Abyssinia later points out, Brady leaving. Uh, and he goes on to ask, until Alan proves he's more than a flashy but mediocre quarterback with a great run game, hard but maybe fair. none Ooh. of the other pieces really matter as a whole agree or disagree. So what do you make of, I guess the deals that Buffalo have done, everybody is hyping them. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And whether you think they've done enough to, look, they're a playoff team last season. Have they done enough to progress going forward?
1: I, I, I disagree with, uh, I know that, tw- that Twitter handle was great, but I disagree with the comment. And it's because, <laughs> listen, man, this, this is their opportunity, right? Finally a shakeup in the, in the East, in the AFC East. Josh Allen is exactly what they want. They built mm-hmm. the offense around him. Stefan Diggs is a route runner that can take the top off a of defense, but they still already have, they have Josh Brown, right? Explosive mm-hmm. receiver. So I like the moves they've made and he's going to get better. I mean, quarterbacks only get better year in and year out. Right. And I like, I, I, I wasn't a huge McDermott fan, but as the years progressed, I am. This dude has got them believing into his culture, his philosophy. I mean, when they brought back, what's crazy is they bring, they bring Josh Norman in, who to me didn't play well, right? Mm. But this guy coached him and is like, I know how to make him play well, right? Right. So you see these kind of things happening. Uh, you know, I like Vernon Butler coming in for him. You know, I, I like what they're doing because I believe this coach has a formula and the team is believing in it. They are on the cusp to greatness. Their quarterback will get better every year and their philosophy as a team, it just makes sense.
0: Do you know why, j Bow? You are one of the very best in the business. Do you know why? Well, there are, there are many reasons why. But... I think just because we're friends,
1: to be <laughs> honest, but you can say whatever you want to say. It works for me. You
0: have brought us full circle so fluently there. <laughs> we started this show pretty much talking about the Belichick blueprint and the way and how they've managed to achieve success and you end it saying McDermott is, has the same kind of mocks, the same kind of a, a approach. It is a symmetrical, beautiful way of wrapping things up. It is always, <laughs> always a pleasure catching up with you. Are you keeping alright with the lockdown? So if Oshie's oh, going, oh, she's going all rocky four on us, <laughs> Ivan Drago yeah. on us, what, what He's are you, not what messing around. You, what are you doing? I got,
1: I got a, uh, a bike, the assault bike, the arms and legs, you know, like the fighters. Uh, to, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I'm a, I think I'm a fighter. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing all the home workouts, a lot of yoga. I think, uh, spending a lot of time honing my skills and and all my different businesses and really my focus on my body, you know, just really trying to feel better because all the injuries and stuff. So got time to really lock into that. So everybody yeah. just needs to use their time wisely because more than money, man, Time is a valuable resource,
0: more than anything. Amen to that, j Bell. Absolute pleasure catching up with you. Of course, you and Osi, you're rolling your pod. Uh, I've noticed uh, uh, rolling that one out, so we'll uh, we'll plug that as well. The Jason Osi Show, which is available on all good pod catches. Getting any writing done? Because if you do, so, I've got a lot of writing, of course, in the last year. You, you got anything cooking on that front?
1: I mean, you know, I got some things in the kitchen. I got
0: some things in the
1: kitchen, so nice. I'm just uh. I'm just working. It's, it'll be some surprises pop out at you. You'll be the first to know.
0: I don't doubt it. Hey, uh, tell everybody
1: to follow me on social media. My people said I need to get my followers up. Jason Ooh. Bell 33 at, uh, on Instagram
0: and Twitter. We are going to drive. We'll drive that. We'll get the, the weight of the NC show behind that as well. Consider that. Yeah. Done. You, you got juice, man. <laughs> J Bell saluting you, man. Great to catch up. Look after yourself and we'll see you soon. Yeah.
1: All right, buddy. Thanks.
0: You heard the man, follow Jay Bell on Twitter at Jason Bell33, Instagram as well. Let's boost his social following, gang. Hey, and if you're in that charitable mood, get behind our profile on uh, iTunes or whichever podcast you listen to as well. If you haven't already, after a season plus of the Nat Coon Show on ESPN, leave a review, give us a bit of a big up because it helps us with our sponsors and, uh, and the network, of course and everybody else. So if you have time right now to do that, we would massively appreciate it. And most importantly of all, well, it puts a smile on Harry's face. No punting news. I realized we should have dropped some punting news. That was a, a special request from Harry for all your old school age fans out there. Maybe we'll squeeze that in uh, over the coming weeks. Speaking of which, we're back uh, next week with two more episodes including Marek Larwood, the comedian and Detroit Lions fan dropping by. So really looking forward to that. Until then, stay safe, keep well, and we'll catch up soon. By Sports Social Podcast Network.